whenever I'm asked to come up in front of a group like this, I always write down every single word ahead of time because I stand up here and my brain stops working. Um, and I was trying really hard to do that for this, but I could not put into words the experience that I had having my wedding here and having the whole community like come together and, and put that on. Um, I envisioned, well, I'll just do something super simple. I'll get pizza, we'll make it like, you know, really easy, a couple people, and even that seemed overwhelming. Um, and I remember it was like beginning of January, so I, I had like less than two months before the wedding, and I hadn't gotten beyond that point of thinking, well, maybe I'll just get pizza. I hadn't even like been out. I think we were still doing the invitations. I mean, it was it was bad. <laughs> I was at Bridge, and, and Roz asked me, you know, so how's the wedding planning go? And I'm like, Roz, I have no idea what I'm doing. And um, she just put her hand on my arm and was like, don't worry, Lana. Like, we'll do this. We got this. You know, we'll all come along with you. Um, and and since then, it's just everyone came along with me. I mean, I, Stephanie said, you can't have pizza at your wedding. Like, <laughs> we, can, we can make food that looks better than the best caterer, and you did. And I mean, uh, Christine did the flowers. Um, I remember walking into her house like, a couple days before the wedding. I mean, it was like a florist. She had literally, you know, had flowers everywhere. She was had all these arrangements she had already. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. It was gorgeous, and she was just all in. And just to see that example of like the joy that she had in in being a part of something for someone else, it was. I mean, it was so inspiring. I, so many. Prayers were answered for me through this. Um, I was just born again two years ago. Before that, uh, I was very private. I was very crippled with anxiety, social anxiety. And one of my biggest prayers over the years has been to to, to get those friendships, to, to reach out to people, to be a part of a community. And, and through this experience, um, I feel that now. And I... And my, my family, none of them are, are believers, and they came to this wedding, and they were just blown away by the, the love of Christ, by what it means to be in a church. And, and looking around this room, and I see so many women who were there who helped behind the scenes. I just, I can't, I can't express my gratitude enough. It means so much to me, and I, I feel that God did a work beyond me, I don't even know um, the ripples and the seeds that were planted in, in my friends and family. So, thank you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for being here with us tonight. Thank you for giving us uh, the visuals through this text, which is so sweet. And wonderful. Each time I see my Lord in these verses, Lord, I weep and become weak, wanting to be this humble and meek. Lord, I thank you now that as we go on and continue um, in tonight's program, you would continue to show us present day ways that we're seeking to obey your word and find blessedness in washing each other's feet. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Just thank the Lord for um, Danette and her, her study and her prayer, you know, in the Word. And thank you, Lana, for sharing that testimony. Now we're going to have our panel, and if I can ask the panelists to come and have a seat in these seats here. So, um, and also, ladies, if you want to help yourself to some treats and stuff like that, do that. So, for this, oh, there you go. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the panel. So, I don't know if some of you remember from April of last year, the women's event, we had a panel. And this discussion, we wanted to ask some women um, in our church community that were kind of representative of the church community 
um, the demographics of the church community as much as we were able to. Some questions just about serving and community about their experiences, and we wanted them to share with you. Um, so while we ask questions, we also want to create an opportunity for you to text any questions to this number. Our trusty sign, Teresa Bates' sign, is amazing. Um, but if you have any questions, follow-up questions, or questions for clarity for any of the panelists, you can text them to this number, or some other question that maybe um, has to do with you know, serving in community. And we're going to have an opportunity for to respond to those questions after we go through the questions for the panelists. So, um, each panelist was given the questions beforehand and given an opportunity to think about and prepare some answers. So I will specifically just ask the questions and then I'll just call on you according to, and everybody chose every question. They wanted to respond to it, like every question is covered, except for the last one. So everybody's here. <laughs> um, but the first question is, what has been your greatest delight in serving in the season you're in right now? Um, so Patty, if you can answer that. Okay. Uh, well, um, I've had more time than ever in, since the last 23 years oh, to serve. Fun. This is my very last year of homeschooling. is a senior in high school and by the time they're a senior you really have nothing to do so I've had more time than I've ever had um, to serve and and um, I have to give my little my little spiel right now why I love serving and and it's a principle that we wanted our kids coming away growing up being a Heidenbrin understanding they got a lot more than we intended but um, not all the good, but the one of the principles, like the second most important thing we wanted them growing up understanding is that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must become the servant of all. And we wanted that truth to, to be a part of them. And so it is, you know, beyond uh, description that not only do I have the joy of serving the church, but I'm watching a handful of my kids serving the church as well. And that gives me a great delight. Amen. Thank you, Patty. Um, next, uh, Jaye. And I do want to say, I forgot to say this, and this is not any shade on Patty. Uh, two minutes or less to respond. Oh. <laughs> 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 that's not, that's not. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. But, but, but I got a little time to hear, so. What has been your greatest delight in serving in the season you're in? Um, I think for me, just understanding that God has been so gracious with me. I think I have two young ones. They're 17 months apart. Um, so I also work full time. I'm married. Um, I think understanding that there are going to be times that I fail and that even in the midst of trying to serve as a mother or serve as a wife, which sometimes I really have to repent often because I prioritize my children over my husband. Um, and understanding that even in these roles as a mother, as a wife, as a friend, as a daughter, my mother often stays with us during the week to watch our kids. There's things that when I sit back at the end of the day and realize, like, Lord, I really jacked up really jacked up, but you are so gracious with me um, and understanding that I can extend that graciousness to my children and show them what graciousness looks like as a result. It's been hard, but I think when I really sit and let that resonate with me, that is what makes me happy. Amen. Um, Helen? Behind us. Oh, very goodness. Okay. Oh, we have. Um, I am actually a very lazy person. I'd much rather sit in bed and do nothing half the time. 
time. So um, um, I actually serve in quite a few areas. The book nook could be one of them. <laughs> Shameless plug, I need a few more people. <laughs> so if you're inspired after tonight's meeting, come and see me. Thank you. You're not off the hook, Helen. Uh, I, I think um, I never expected to be a widow so soon. Um, so this is an interesting season of life. But I, um, and I expected to be serving with my husband and doing other ministries, but I'm not. Um, but I get the joy of serving with my daughter as an usher and greeter. Um, we had somebody come last week, he's actually a neighbor, who said that he was... He'd been looking this for this church as well, but he um, saw all these people coming into this church and he said it was like a wedding. There were so many smiles, everybody was happy. And um, I think from myself as a greeter, I get to greet the wedding guests. Um, and it's very much like the, how God says, you know, you're the bride of Christ and the the church, whatever. So. I thought that was wonderful. Um, I see the goodness of the Lord um, in serving. Because um, like I said, I'm, I'm lazy. I, I don't want to do anything. But <laughs> serving in any capacities. But. That's good. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, Ross, what's been your greatest delight in serving in this season? For me, it's been that I have time. Um, my job has changed, so God has allowed me where after five, I have no excuse. <laughs> and also, I'm uh, single and I didn't have any children. I wanted five boys. Don't ask me why, but I did. <laughs> and so, it gives me the opportunity to be that auntie, yes. that uh, yes. big sister, that grandma. It's been such a delight, and I also serve with Bridge, and I serve um, with a uh, group of um, individuals from babies to, you know, folks who are a little bit older than me as well, and that's been a delight as well. And just knowing that I can help someone, as uh, Danette was saying, listening and, you know, getting into uh, people's lives, be it um, messy, be it something that's great, and just asking God to um, use me in that way. And um, it's been a delight. I love it. So, yeah. thank you. Um, so, the next question is thank you, ladies, for your responses. How has serving changed for you through various seasons? And I'll start with Stephanie. Hello. Um, I came to faith when I was in my 30s um, and married a professional baseball player. And so we traveled, yeah, we were on the road a lot. And so um, not plugged into our church, being kind of thrust into a new environment, new city, no car, no church family, no friends, no family family. And um, just asking God to, to direct where I can serve. And so it was. Um, ministering because I was the older woman, um, ministering to the younger baseball wives. Um, I was able to, um, I, I was pregnant uh, in our first year of marriage, so I worked at a crisis pregnancy center because that was something I could do, um, and did five-day clubs um, in the neighborhood where, wherever we live. We're usually apartment building stuff. And then when we had kids, I always tried to figure out what um, ministries that I could drag my kids to where they could help, um, whether it was rolling up napkins and tying strings or putting out color papers for the kids or helping with VBS or whatever, something like that. And then now I'm in kind of the same season that Roz is in um, where I have a little bit more time and so I'm doing less formal stuff but just trying to be um, attentive to um, and watchful of where I can serve. So it, it could be it could be anything, but I'm just trying to be available, try to try to kind of scan the audience, say like, oh I know this needs to be done, or prayer or a meal or a text of encouragement, 
decorating, <laughs> wedding planning. <laughs> okay, so the summer of 2008, I prayed that God would bring a guy into my life who loved the church <laughs> and who wanted to serve in the church. And then I met Jason Gomes, and I've been trying to keep up ever since. <laughs> so I wasn't sure how far back you wanted us to go, but I guess when I first started working after college, I was teaching in the inner city, and so for like three years, I just was trying to keep my head above water, and I didn't do like anything <laughs> in the church. Then I met Jason, and we served a lot in a lot of different ministries. He was on like 16 different ministries when I started dating him. He didn't have time to date me. <laughs> I was like, okay, Lord, can we change the prayer request a little bit? <laughs> um, and then when we were first married, um, I changed a little bit in terms of what we could do together, leading bridge together, and then we were asked to lead a community group, and that became sort of the focus, and God kind of took this, like, wide group of ministries, and it got, like, focused on just a few things. Um, so that was one change. Right now, we're just kind of like, okay, community group, egg hunt, and Alberta community day. That's it, but we want to just stay faithful. And then, obviously... With having kids, at this point, um, when there's something that we can bring the kids along to, we try to say yes, or I try to say yes. But if it's something I have to leave my kids at home or find someone to watch my kids, I'm kind of like weighing, like, does that make sense to do that? So. Um, next question. What was, no, sorry, wrong. Um, how would you encourage someone else in the same season you're in now or have gone through who might be struggling with ways to serve? Uh, I'll start with Patty. Okay, I'm cheating a little bit on this question because um, the season that I was actually thinking about was the hardest years after Ben's accident where it was a level of suffering that I had not experienced before. But I felt God specifically still call me to not forfeit serving. Mm -hmm. um, that it was important for me to understand that that in his economy, suffering, he, he care, carefully measures it. And, and he has plans and purposes for it that end up serving other people as well. Mm -hmm. And so our instinct is to kind of protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the Lord just said, don't, don't do that. So if you're in a season where life is hard and it is painful, um, don't make your first decision, how can I stop serving, where can I stop serving to protect myself? Mm. You know, consider what, carefully what God is still calling you to do. And I got, because of the, where we continued to serve in that season, the amount of care that I experienced through those serving opportunities was actually pretty extraordinary. Mm -hmm. so. um, I totally agree with you. So in terms of how, what compels me to serve, just understanding that I've been churched. You know, like I grew up in a Christian household, so I, I, I knew what to say, I knew how to look, I knew how to perform. And one of the loneliest places I felt at one point in my life as a single woman was in church. And I feel like the worst place anybody can feel lonely is in church. And I think being vulnerable and understanding that transparency looks like something. And when I started really being transparent with the Lord, like, I don't like how I feel. I'm insecure about my weight. I'm insecure about where my life is heading. I don't think that I'm worthy of your love. And there were things that the Lord was just like, you need to talk to other people because I guarantee you, you are not the only person that feels this way. And I feel like the enemy loves to have women thinking that you're the only one that struggles with lust or masturbation or fornication or soul ties or marriage troubles or mommy guilt. All of these things, the Lord was like, if you speak it, I guarantee it, there will be women who understand that level of transparency. And you may not get that transparency back. It may never be reciprocated, but the Lord is going to use that. And that is what compels me to 
open up my home and want to talk to other women, women that don't look like me, women who are not saved, women who are not churched, women who don't go to church, may have never stepped foot in a church, but there's something that the Lord puts on my heart like, you need to talk to that girl. You need to sit next to that person. You need to put your arm around that person. You need to talk to that person on the bus. You need to talk to that co-worker. Because I've been in a place where that person sitting down next to me who does not look like me, does not talk like me, does not have the same education level as me, as soon as I broke down like, look girl, I struggle with that too. That's all it took. So, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> specific kindness and service of someone in your church community. Now sorry, Well, I could take a lot more than two minutes. Um, I don't want to sound super spiritual, but the reality is I am most blessed when I am aware someone's praying for me. someone knows of a need in my life and six months down the road sends me a note or a text or a hug and just references that they're praying for me for that specific need it, it's huge it's huge and then so many that have just shown up when there's been something going on they just show up and Patty, uh, when we first moved here, she picked me up and showed me where the stores were and where the best bars are and how to get around the streets around here and craziness. <laughs> that, was, that was huge. And um, others along the way have just come alongside me in very specific ways, very personal ways. Okay, so um, back mid-January, um, my daughter was in the hospital, almost lost her, um, but from one phone call to Maggie, to Patty, coming straight over within minutes of my daughter, um, to going to the ER, to having Bill and Becky there praying with their ministry to Tim and Gaylene going to another hospital and having people there, um, Greg and Mike, um, Lana and Tim, and Tim and Dave and Christine being provided with meals three times a day for seven days. And the prayers and the texts, the telephone calls, I could not have done it. Um, Patty, seeing me at my worst when I'm losing it because the hospital staff are not doing the job and as a nurse, I'm trying to be a mom and not a nurse. Mm -hmm. And um, having people see my daughter in a certain state, which is not her, and thinking, oh my gosh, this is awful. Um, but the love that was just poured out. Um, the Bible says, you know, we're, we can't do without one another. We're one body, many members, but one body. And that was just one body, you know, coming together. And love is patient, love is kind. Love doesn't see the wrong when you're losing it with a nurse or a social worker or whoever. Um, the body of Christ, many ministries coming together from Bridge to Healing uh, Hospital to my community group leader to Stephanie bringing a little teddy bear to filibuster. We call him filibuster because my daughter went into a filibuster. So. Thank you. Thank you. 
Um, next question is, how do you discern what needs you can meet versus the ones you would like to meet but feasibly cannot? Jaye uh, is the only one who I think you said it very well, that There's things that you have to learn to say no to. And I think, once again, growing up church, you can be in a ton of ministries and not be serving well. Mm -hmm. um, it is so easy to put on a front, like everything is going well when it is not. And I think understanding when you reach that place that it's time to step back because you're not serving the Lord that way. And you may be thinking that you are. And there's there's a place that, that needs to be reassessed. I, I'm in the middle of reading this book called In the Middle of the Mess. I don't know if you've ever heard of Sheila Walsh. Um, she has a very good version uh, Bible study called uh, It's Okay Not to Be Okay. And um, she actually suffered with mental illness and she's, she attempted suicide at one point. She has a history of suicide in her family. And one of the things that she really goes in about is how she just was serving, 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 at least what she perceived as serving. You know, and she has this, you know, public image, and she's broken inside. And the Lord was calling her to an utmost place of brokenness for her to realize, like, you do not have it together the way you think you have it together because you still need me. You're trying to do these things in your own strength. And when you get to a point when you're serving and realizing that there are things that, yeah, you may walk in one day and you're like, I really don't want to deal with these children. You know, but God, you know what I mean? Like, and you take a look at, at the impact that you have, even if it's the most minuscule with, with a baby or a four-year-old who all of a sudden wants to sit on your lap and you get to read a story about Esther, things that you didn't think you would have, but the Lord is like, this is where I want you, this is where I have you right now. So, sorry. <laughs> so long with the joke. Next question is, what scriptural commands most influence your heart posture towards serving others? We'll start with Stephanie. Oh. And then Ross. Uh, then I referenced it as that Philippians 2 passage. I love that because that is the gospel. And it says to, um, to have the same mind as Christ. And that, you know, emptying himself to the point of death. Um, so I, I really love that verse. I have to preach that to myself all the time. When I'm getting grumpy and mm -hmm. not serving in joy, I remind myself of that. Um, another one was um, John 13, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. And again, referencing back to the Philippians 2. There are many others. But... You can hold on because we're coming back to you. Oh. Okay. Um, actually, I had the same one, the Philippians one, about um, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And that's my thing, considering others more than myself. And to kind of piggyback on one of the questions about saying yes or saying no to serving, uh, sometimes you do want to say no, but I think about Jesus being on the cross. And he didn't want to go, but he knew that he had to. So even if I'm sometimes just tired, I'll go, and some of those folks that I serve, they will allow me to fall asleep, but the fact that I'm just present with them, it's okay. And they'll nudge and say, I'll rise, wake up, and I'm like, was I asleep? So, you know, but um, that's one. And then the other one was, and I just said, I'll rise, and that is um, Galatians 5.13, that you are my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh but rather serve one another humbly in love. And I remember when I came here, because I called myself my rise at the other uh, fellowship, 
but I asked the parents, were you okay with that? Because I have a problem to say that God is my father, and I have real blood sisters and brothers, but then I'm in the family of God, but then you're Miss Patty, Miss Jaya. That doesn't make sense to me. So your sister Patty, sister Jaya, so if that's my sister, then my children, that would be their aunt, or their uncle, and then even sometimes in my class, I say to the uh, little ones, that's your brother, that's your sister, and of course, three and four, that's not my brother. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. So I try at an early age to have that mindset so that we will love one another, because the one thing parents are teaching your children with their siblings is to love one another and to treat one another kindly. So if the other children see the other children as their brothers and sisters, then my hope is that they would show that kind of love to them and not just see them as Jaye's, you know, children or Nikki's children. So that's, you know. If you call me Miss Patty, we're going to have issues. <laughs> Stephanie, how do you intentionally help your family cultivate an others-focused mentality? I actually learned this from my children. So when, um, when my girls were really little um, and we lived in apartment places traveling with my, my husband, um, I just remember one time they were taking a bath. They knew the gentleman that lived above us worked nights. And um, they were in the tub, and they were splashing around and using their outside voices, and they both went, shh, Mr. So-and-so is probably sleeping right now. Aww. And I thought, wow, that is really good. So we tried to cultivate, um, like, how our actions are going to impact others, whatever that might be. Um, whether it's if we have hearts of gratitude or selfishness or selflessness, um, you know, how we are in our environment. Um, my husband said, you should ask all the ladies how many times they beat their horns when they lock their doors in <laughs> their car. Or uh, we had a neighbor behind us for 14 years, they let their dog bark incessantly. And I was like, that is not neighbor love. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, and then also encourage and demonstrate um, generosity, hospitality, um, my kids, I thought they hated it for the longest time because we were always having people in our house and when missionaries were coming on furlough, they stayed with us and sometimes it was not great experiences um, for them, but they have recently now as adults said, you know, we're so grateful that you did all of those things because we feel like, you know, we benefited from it. Um, uh, also praying for others, uh, avoiding uncharitable judgments. And this happened to me recently um, that I want to cultivate in, in my life more, just receiving correction when a friend brings correction um, or an admonition, you know, um, that that's something that I can do to connect or cultivate other focused mentalities, mm -hmm. is making sure that I'm receiving that um, with grace and appreciation. Mm -hmm. that's good. That's great. Um, oh, two minutes. Mm -hmm. You can pass it to Gailey first. How do you create a home where serving the church with gladness and selflessness is part of the DNA? It's kind of connected to the other question. Wait, let me ask it How do you create a home where serving the church with gladness and selflessness is part of the DNA? Well, it wasn't always gladness and selflessness, but uh, we did have six children and we would have people in our home a lot. And we, we just, we were a team, we worked together. And it wasn't just child slave labor. Um, <laughs> we would crank up the music and we would just have fun with each other, doing it most of the time. Um, but it wasn't just service ahead of time or afterwards, but it was at the table. I find that table fellowship just teach, had, provides so many teachable moments for children. And they were exposed to so many people that were different from them. Age and gender and economic background. And um, back in times we were not 
ethnically so much, but um, oh, they would have been blessed by this experience. Um, one thing I, I observed in my children is that they learned to get comfortable being with adults. If they were comfortable at the table, then they would, they would be comfortable outside. And also, at church, we would just, before going to church, we would say, now this isn't about you, this is about serving others. So there was a mindset going into worship that they were there to serve. And it wasn't just to get together and have fun with your kids. There was that, but they were there to serve the body. And my kids grew up comfortable interacting with adults and serving alongside adults. And one more thing, if I could just take a little bit longer, but I was blessed by a church family that approached this servant mindset um, together as families. There were other young families, and they grew up and became teenagers, so we had a youth group, and the youth leaders and the parents got together and said, what are we going to call this little group of kids? And I don't know who it was, but somebody came up with the name Servants of the King. So I was, a ble I was blessed as a mom to be among other moms who were approaching parenting and, and church and servanthood the same way. And their activities, they would have Bible studies, but most of the time they were serving people in the church, raking or snow shoveling or baking, cool. and they were truly servants within the church. Amen. So. Amen. Thank you. Katie? Um, okay. So I love the vision of this question, but my first thought was, that's not in my DNA. <laughs> Um, as exemplified by today. <laughs> like, I'm just naturally a selfish person. I want to pull in, protect, like, kind of like Patty was saying, when, especially when you're suffering. So I'm trying to invite my kids into the struggle, like, the, the battle to care about others and then see God meet you in that. And actually, today it was interesting because, you know, I had, a, I had a day and I was like, should I go be on this panel? And I remembered my mom once had to speak. She was going to speak to ladies and we were going through something as a family, and she was like, can you pray for me? I feel weak, I don't feel like I can go and speak to these women. And I'm thinking that memory, I'm like, oh, like, it's okay, like, you can serve in weakness. Um, so I think that's the first thing is like, my kids hear me on the way to community group, like, oh my gosh, the childcare, this and this and this. And then they hear me on the way home, like, wow, God, that is, it was so amazing. <laughs> so I think, like, they're kind of learning from that. Um, and then also, Game, we kind of touched on this, but we are intentionally just teaching them to care about others. Like, hey, folks are coming over. We're going to do these eggs. It's not about the eggs. People are going to hear the gospel. Like, we're putting together these plastic, and like little Amelia's like, okay. <laughs> so, probably like both things, trying to share the weakness, but then also just intentionally tell them um, that we want to. This is a part of who we are as Christians, is to get outside of ourselves, get outside of Gomesville, and reach out to those people. So as I said earlier, we, we really did try to raise our kids. When I taught at the Teach program, every week I would ask the kids, what did you do this past week to make yourselves great in the kingdom of God? Because you're not too young, you're not too small, you're not, you know, you can be great in the kingdom of God by serving other people. And it was fun to have challenged the kids that way to kind of make it part of their DNA. My kids all heard that week after week, sometimes day after day. Um, but I really did want to cast a vision. Uh, ladies, I'm not a big house when I get to heaven. <laughs> that I don't have to dust. <laughs> and, and so there is that principle, that inverted principle, that the least shall be the greatest. And I did really want to cast a vision for my kids to pursue greatness in the kingdom of God. And as I said before, I know this, this is in spite of me, not because of me, but my kids are involved in three different churches and they're all serving the married ones with their spouses in different capacities in their in their local church. And so I find it miraculous that all my kids are walking with the Lord and I can say with great confidence it's in spite of me, not because of me. 
but that they're also involved in churches and serving in churches. And, and I do have to model it, model it, model it. Jason models it. My husband models it. He's the, the most humble servant that I know. But also incorporate your kids into it. When we have care group, my kids will help them scrub bathrooms, and I, it was kid slave labor. <laughs> <laughs> but with that vision that, hey, this matters in the kingdom of God. It may seem like just a messy toilet, but it really does matter in the kingdom of God. And, yeah. And so just giving them a vision and having them be a part of it. They were a part of the, the, the we try to incorporate the kids into the worship. I mean, every care community group is different, but incorporate the kids into the preparation, the the, the cleanup, every part of it, um, and model it. Um, so, you can keep that. The last question, nobody volunteered this question, but we have nine minutes, so if everybody could take a moment to share what is one area you would like to grow in serving others. Start with Rise and just pass it on down. Yeah, I chose not to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> How about we answer for each other? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Ooh, um, I, say, I don't know, is it sufficient? Yeah, yeah. I would say, I, I mean, if I could. Just on the fly. Okay, yeah. There are some times when I want to sleep in on a Saturday. And I do serve. And sometimes I, you know, I, I have that, I do, I have that little struggle. And so sometimes I find I get there late and then I beat myself up and I'm like, now you know better. You should not be getting there late because if it was your job, you would get there early, if not, you know, on time. So sometimes you're struggling with, you know, putting a little bit of um, honesty with myself about, you know, getting getting there and, and having those feelings, you know, because I really don't have a reason to have those feelings, but I just want to be selfish, you know, as a few panel have said. Um, I think... It is unrealistic for us to see every need and to meet every need. We're not called to meet every need. So I would like to grow, not that I'm far from guilty of doing that, but I would like to grow in my being led by the Spirit of God to be certain what needs He is calling me to meet. And He's been very gracious in this past season to make it clear when I'm supposed to step in and when I'm supposed to step back and shut up. Yeah. I think for me... Just the one thing that the Lord keeps putting at the forefront of my mind is just serving in my marriage. Mm -hmm. um, because I definitely think that right now I'm in a season where if I'm being honest, I don't serve to the best of my capacity, my husband. Mm -hmm. um, I can come here, but I do not serve my husband the way I probably should be. And the Lord has really been convicting me of that. So. I would like to grow in faithfulness. Like I hear people who have been serving so faithfully in the church for so much longer than I have. I want to be like a millennial who does that. I feel like that would be really <laughs> counter-cultural to just like, just stay steady. You know, don't do anything new and flashy, but just remain faithful. Amen. That's good. not going to reach I guess uh, for me, this uh, segment of society, culture, church culture that I'm uncomfortable with and I want to grow and get becoming more comfortable and that's with special needs. I just find myself avoiding and I want to love, I want to step towards those with special needs. of me and more of him and um, I can be a better 
straight and be a parent and to serve my children more. I'm not at home much. Um, two kids with no dad and uh, I'm always angry, most of the time. And I'm too busy serving in my job. And I feel like nursing is a mercy ministry, but maybe I should be doing more mercy at home than out in the community. like to grow more is, um, and I think Danette touched on it, because my first reaction when like something else comes down the pike, um, that it's not something that I came up with as a need uh, to fulfill, is I'm like, we're already so busy, <laughs> do I really need to do that? And, and um, I mean, God always brings me to the other side of it, where it's like, okay, right, we just need to, to do it or whatever, so I'd like to grow in that. But... Can I finish on some? Because it, it's funny, I didn't look at that question, but John Piper did. <laughs> so I thought this was interesting. I just read this this afternoon. It says, spiritual growth is not the goal, but exalting Christ is the goal. Amen. And then he's, um, he referenced Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Um, before Teresa comes up and fields some of our um, questions that we got via text, I just wanted to piggy bank, piggy bank. Is that what I'm saying? Piggy bank. Piggy bank. See, it's, it's been a long Thursday. Um, off of what Patty touched on a little bit. And I think it's very common, um, generally speaking, for women especially, especially Christian women, to hear about and see about all the needs and are like, oh, I gotta do that, I gotta do that. Because if you don't, you feel guilty and you don't you feel like not good enough or you, you know you're I'm, I'm not um, Christ-like enough. But Christ also said no um, because he was about his father's business. And I think that's really important for us in being able to discern, Lord, what's your will for me, what's your plan for me in this day, in this season, or what have you. And sometimes the Lord's answer for us, what would glorify him most, is no. Because otherwise, sometimes it could be people-pleasing that drives our yes. So it's really, really important just to really discern what God's will is and how and when he would have us to serve. And Teresa. She wants to sit down or want to stay here? You guys can sit, because I think some of the questions... You guys are going to answer these. She meant, I'm going to facilitate, not I'm going to answer Okay, um, so, again, if you have any questions you haven't texted in, feel free to text them to this number and I'll get them up here. Um, so the first question is for Ajaye, but... Um, Others of you, feel free to answer this too, because I don't feel like we've really talked about it all that much. Um, Says Jaya, you speak about vulnerability. How did you first step out in the community to be real with women around you, and how that how did that empower you to love openness and truth instead of hiding behind service and doing everything seemingly right on the outside? Wow, that is wow. That is funny. So. If I were to really go in deep, you know, deep with that question, it started when I was single. Um, I had just graduated, finished, you know, clinicals, got my own apartment, and I would come home after church and literally just cry. Um, I went through a depression for about two years, and I was serving at church, serving on readers. You would not have known it that I was coming home and like literally battling these thoughts of just like, it would probably be better if I wasn't here. Um, but when the Lord, I remember specifically sitting on my bed in my apartment and the Lord was like, you are so focused on yourself right now. If you would only turn your eyes and see that I am I'm right here. I have never left you. I've never forsaken you. And it wasn't until then, it was just like, 
I need to speak this stuff out loud. These thoughts, these feelings, these doubts of how good God is, that he does not desire to hurt me, that his plans are good for me. And it wasn't until then that I realized, like, I'm in Bible study, I'm I'm seeing these women all the time, and my heart still is for the single woman. Even as a married woman, I know the, the, the struggle sometimes as a single woman sitting in church and just thinking that, you know what? I really do desire a husband, you know, or I do desire to date, and being okay with saying that out loud. And I think that was what catapulted me to actually being able to, to start reaching out to other women. And I was like, you know what? You know what? Satan, you ain't got this. I'm gonna start talking to people. And I started inviting women over to my apartment and it started with like three or four, grew to like 10, 20. And my apartment was 440 square feet. <laughs> I lied to you not. And people were on top of each other. But the, the stuff people were sharing, things that women were, like, abortions, things that, suicidal thoughts, things that they were like, I never thought. And I knew that Satan did not want me to speak it out loud because I felt this pressure. I felt like if I were to say anything, all eyes were going to be on me. But once they said something, it was like four or five other women were like, I did not know that I thought I was the only one. And that is, that, that's, it was literally me just stepping out of myself and God just being like, thank you. This is what I wanted of you. So. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like that's, that's so cool. Um, and what a way to serve by just listening and sharing yes, and yes, saying, yes. me too. You know, that's where um, healing comes. Does anyone else have any, anything they want to add to that before you share? Okay. Um, this goes on to, I feel like this is a good segue um, from what we were just talking about. Um, this question says, what helps you to battle the desire to put yourself first? And Heavenly rewards. <laughs> no, I'm so serious. I think it's just better to just be selfish for the better thing. Yes. Like, don't try to... Like, Patty gave me a pep talk on this, but basically it's just like, yes, I want a reward. I want one that's going to last. There's never going to be enough praise or recognition for all the work that has to get done. So then you can do the service without meaning any of it. Because you're like, I'm looking to heaven, and it's going to be amazing in heaven. It's going to be better, and then I can talk myself out of whatever earthly comfort. <laughs> it's like, it'll be better in heaven. God's creation design um, shapes my thinking in that he labored for six days and on the seventh day he rested. And I think we hurt ourselves when we don't take advantage of that seventh day to rest. Mm -hmm. We need rest. And however great or however little it is, um, we will have a eternal day of rest. There is a day of rest waiting for us in heaven. So we labor now knowing that there is rest waiting for us in heaven. But if possible, I would strongly encourage ladies to, to seize that day, one day of the week, that you can minimize your schedule as much as possible because the Lord intends to replenish you in that. I would say for me, answering that question, just seeing the relief in the life of that person that you're helping. Like how you were saying, Jaye, how you were just like paralyzed by what was in your mind, but once you opened your mouth and you started sharing, but then you were able to see others get healed. Yeah. And so I like to see everybody with a joyful look on their face, you know. Just like the uh, man said that he saw us coming to church as the bride 
uh, coming to the wedding and everybody was so cheerful. So when you're serving and you're meeting the need of someone who is in pain and you're able to walk with them and bring them out of that through the Holy Spirit ministering and using you, that's what gives me joy in serving and then of course the rewards but right now is to just take that frown and turn it upside down and just see joy because then they fall even more in love with the Jesus that I'm in love with so then we both have that in common and then it's you know even better fellowship okay last question um any practical examples of ways that you have served with your children? Um, for example, um, a way that you've been blessed by uh, um, serving with your children together alongside. <laughs> <laughs> this sort of goes um, almost with Gaylene. Uh, I was at another church, and um, I work with special needs most most of my career. Um, but um, to get my children comfortable with special needs. I actually took my oldest to the special needs Sunday school, um, actually at Calvary. And so we served together for a year, a year working with the special needs, um, because I wanted her to feel comfortable out in the community, because they are still God's precious children. They are made in His image, no matter what they look like, no matter what they can do. and. Even now, um, Ellie and MT will see some of my patients um, if I'm around or, or whatever, or they go with me and wait out in the car. So, um, Drew Corrigan, I went on vacation, took Becky and Drew with me, and Elizabeth, so that she can feel comfortable around dancing. I think that's important. They're no different. Um, I think one of my sweetest moments uh, was when uh, doing community group worship, my, a couple of my kids would help with, you know, one on a mandolin or and the other on the piano. And, that, and those were just very sweet moments. But um, one of the things that I encourage my kids, you know, don't just serve out of your strengths. Mm -hmm. Serve out of your weaknesses, too. Um, because th that increases our dependence upon God, and that's really what it's all about, is relying upon God. And so, really encouraging our kids to step out in what's not their natural giftedness, but, but being willing to see that bigger picture that I get to serve God. I love the effect of the gospel that transforms what our flesh we want to call an arduous duty, but the power of the gospel transforms it into a great privilege. And that's, you know, getting our kids to understand that principle, that we get to do this. We don't have to do it, we get to do it. Um. I'm sorry. Um, well, I was in a pastor's home one time with my husband, and uh, we were having lunch around their table, and their children were at the table as well. And I would encourage, you know, as much as possible, uh, not to have a kid's table, but to incorporate the kids with the adults so they can uh, learn and, and listen and glean from the conversation. But these parents were so intentional with their children, they wanted them to be active participants and not just passive at the meal table. And so the father asked each child to take a turn and ask of us one question. Wow. I thought that was so wise. And, and, and the questions were so, well, what's your favorite food? Or what's your favorite sport? But it was engaging them. It was respecting them as people, as part of the conversation. So I. That was after my kids were grown, so it was too late. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing is, your kids can come up with really, what would seem to be crazy ideas to, to serve or or something, and try to try to figure out ways to make it happen and, and empower them with that. I remember um, my daughter Emily. I think she was in. 
sixth or seventh grade, she said she had had a dream that she wanted to send money to missionaries for an orphanage in China. I was like, okay. And um, that next Sunday in church, um, we had missionaries come from somewhere in Russia, I think, or something, and they were presenting their ministry to the orphans. And it had started out with uh, musicians going to Kiev to do, it was, that's where it was, Kiev, to do the Messiah. And then the, the musicians said, well, what is it, this music? And then the choir started singing. Anyway, so the gospel was going forth. And it trickled down to this thing with orphanages. And, and my daughter says, well, maybe, maybe not orphans in China, maybe orphans in Kiev. And she put together, I just kind of guided a little bit. It was crazy. She wanted to send 200 Build-A-Bears to the orphans in Russia. And she organized the whole thing with a little bit of help. You know, from from the parents or whatever, but it seemed like a crazy thing. But she, you know, it empowered them to, to figure out a way to make it happen. I was just gonna add really quickly that, like, we ask for help a lot. Lori's holding Cassidy because <laughs> I'm up here and like on Sunday there's no promise kingdom, and I'm like, Joanne, I'm having a moment. Like, I just think like it's an, it's I think just like ask. You know, when you're trying to do something and you have little ones. We can serve each other, and I'm like, oh, yeah, so many of these people have, like, held my baby or, like, saved my two-year-old from running wherever, or, you know, when we go to do the egg hunt, my neighbor will come and do the egg hunt with my kids so that I can, you know, it's kind of like a teamwork thing, I feel like. Okay, one last question. Um, <clears throat> what have you learned from serving specifically in a church plant context? How would you encourage us in this season of a young church? All hands on deck. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, yes. it's hard because we planted with so many people, it didn't really feel like your typical church plant. Do you know? There were almost 100 adults and almost 50 kids, and it is all hands on deck. Do you know? Um, uh, but it was just so big. I mean, you know, when it's only 30 people, you're on every other week, not every four weeks. Right. You know? <laughs> and so um, I think in some ways we were spared some of that. But um, it, it's been exciting. It's, um, it's exciting to see God building his church, his bride. Anyone else? Let's thank our panel and feel like Let me pray for us and then we can get out of here. God, thank you so much for um, this message for tonight. Um, for washing our feet, washing them clean. Um, in your blood, um, for becoming a servant, laying down all your glory and becoming a servant, um, even though you deserved to be served, you deserved all the glory, and yet you were so submissive to your Father's will and you did what um, you were assigned to do without complaining, um, without disobedience. Um, and I just pray that because we have been washed clean, we would walk in your footsteps. Um, I pray that you would give us specifically just one tangible way that um, we can put this into practice. One small thing that's doable that would be a step of faith. Lord, whatever you're putting on our heart, um, would you just show us how we can stretch ourselves and grow? And I just pray for our attitudes. Um, as we think about serving, Lord, this is a gift from you because it's an assignment and it's something that you um, have called us to, therefore it's a joy, therefore it should be done with thanksgiving and gladness because it's part of the path you're calling us to take. I pray just for more times of vulnerability, of just sharing our struggles and seeing that, um, sharing our needs for prayer as a way to serve because it says, hey, I struggle too. 
I, I need God's help too. I don't have it all together. Um, so I pray that your spirit would just be moving and use this um, to, to serve your body as a whole. Thank you for all these examples of people who have served faithfully. Thank you that this is a serving church that's generous. Um, and I pray that you would you would just continue what you started, that it wouldn't end here, but it would go out and it would be there during the week, it would be there Sunday mornings, um, Sunday uh, afternoons when we're tired, when we're in church with our kids, would we know that we're serving your body. In Jesus' name I pray.